Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. I want to talk to you about the story behind the story. I've always loved the Christmas season. Anybody with me? Love it. Even as a child, I love the presents, but I also love the atmosphere, the anticipation and the attitudes. And in fact, it seems to be at this time of year that people are more open to the gospel. They'll, they'll sing the Christmas songs not even realizing what they're singing. And so there's just, there's something special about this time. Most of us know the Christmas story, but instead of preaching about the Christmas story today, I want to talk to you about the story behind the story. I've always been fascinated with John the Baptist, and I preached a series on him not too long ago. But his birth, his life, and his death are so fascinating to me. And I believe there's much we can draw from his life that applies to our lives here and now. His life story is the story behind the Christmas story. In addition, it's your story as well. How many know everybody has a story? One of the things I love most is hearing someone's testimony. How did you come to know Jesus? They have a story. B.C., before Christ, and after Christ. And I love hearing that story. And so I want you to know that this is your story as well. And the story of Christmas is all about impacting and transforming people's lives. And so I encourage you this Christmas to look for that story, your story behind the story of Jesus. The coming of Christ forever changed the world and spawned off millions of amazing stories of their own. We heard some of them today through the cards. And one of those stories is yours. Luke chapter 1 Verse 5 says, in the time of Herod, king of Judah, timing is very important to God. And God sets the times for things to happen in history and in our personal lives. And the timing of Jesus was the perfect time. It was the fullness of time. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. One thing we can know for sure is that, number one, God's timing is always perfect. If you're waiting on the Lord, be encouraged. His timing is perfect. It's rarely our time. God's timing is not only perfect in your life, it's perfect throughout human history. Now, there's something we struggle with because God's timing is not our timing. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We are in a much bigger hurry than God. Amen? Amen. The Bible says with a day, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So when God says, I'll take care of that tomorrow, it may be a thousand years. But he's going to take care of it. Because whatever God promises, he will fulfill. And so we need to be careful about getting ahead of God. Can you imagine if people hadn't responded to the Lord, if Mary hadn't responded to the angel, if Joseph hadn't responded there was a timing issue going on here, also in the Roman world. It was the perfect time for the gospel to spread around the whole world. There's a whole teaching on that, why it was the perfect time. There are two miraculous births at Christmas. And before the, the story of Jesus and his birth, we see the story of John the Baptist and his birth. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, and both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, 
and they both were well along in years. So we come upon this elderly couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah is a priest, and even Elizabeth is from a long line of priests herself. In today's vernacular, it would look like this. Zachariah is an elderly pastor, like me, who has been pastoring all his adult life, like me. And Elizabeth's dad was a pastor, and a granddad, and on and on. These people were in the ministry for many years and generations. We also know that they were good and faithful believers in God. And it says they were upright and blameless. Two words to describe Job as well. And they had walked with the Lord faithfully all these many years. They loved God. They served God and obeyed God in everything. However, in spite of all that, they lacked the one thing they desired most of all, a child. And Elizabeth was barren and well past the age of childbearing. And not only did they bear the pain of not having any children, they had to bear the cultural shame of being barren. At that time, being barren was a shame upon a family. And yet, Elizabeth, so the cultural shame of barrenness was upon them, and yet they did not get mad at God. They did not blame God or leave God. Amen? They wanted this dream their whole life, and we all have dreams, and we all have a prayer requests before God, and we don't understand God's timing. But it's up to us to continue to remain faithful. If you don't, if you're waiting on God, stay faithful. If your answer hasn't come, stay faithful. And they were still praying and they were still serving the Lord. What they did not realize is that they were about to become the fullness of time for them. It was about to come upon them. All their faith and prayers piled up through the years were about to come to fruition in the fullness of time. I want you to pray until it reaches the fullness of time. Whatever you're waiting on the Lord for, keep praying till the fullness of time. Don't stop. And here they were beyond, it was impossible. They were beyond childbearing age. And yet they kept remaining faithful in prayer. Number two, the fullness of time comes to fruition to those who remain faithful. Remain faithful. Keep serving the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep praying. And perhaps you have been praying and believing God for something a long time. It may just about to reach its fulfillment. The problem is we grow impatient. We begin to doubt God's promises and give up. And yet if we will learn to wait, to be patient and to trust God, we will have the joy to see God's will fulfilled in our lives in the fullness of time. Zachariah and Elizabeth could have given up. They could have turned their backs on God because it was too late for their dream. They would have missed this amazing miracle, however, that God was going to perform. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your grandchildren. Keep believing. Keep praying. Even past the time of impossibility. Keep praying. Keep believing. How many know God loves doing the impossible? He loves it. Is there anything too hard for God? No. This is when God shines the most. When we've come to the end of ourselves, we have not come to the end of God. And if we continue to persevere and continue to be faithful, we will see the fulfillment in this life or in the life to come. You, You wish I wouldn't have said that last part. But sometimes the promises of God will be fulfilled in eternity. 
And so it's exciting to see things begin to come together. And we have to believe that God is going to bring it all together in the fullness of time. Luke chapter 1, verse 8, the same story. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. The way they would seek the will of the Lord is they'd roll the dice. Bless God. Some of us do the same thing, right? No, we don't. But they, there was the um and thummim. These were ways that they determined the will of God. This was before the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so they rolled the dice and it fell to Zechariah. And verse 10, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Did you hear that? Your prayers have been heard. Not prayer, prayers. Sometimes we just think one prayer is all we need. But how many of you know you keep praying until God answers? And sometimes the answer is no, sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's not now. It's in the right timing. And so don't give up on your prayers. Zechariah was serving his appointed season of service in the temple when he was chosen by lot to go burn incense at the altar before God. How many of you know it wasn't just a gamble of the dice? He wasn't just chosen by the dice. He was chosen by God. This was a rare privilege, and some priests never got the opportunity. Though he was chosen by Lot, he was actually chosen by the Lord. There is no coincidence, chance, or luck for the child of God, is there? Things don't happen randomly or coincidentally. God is in control of our lives. And our life is not just up to the roll of the dice, but the Spirit of God. God is sovereignly working in our circumstances, and we, to we need to recognize that. It's actually a very comforting thought to know that God is in control. Amen? Number three, you have not been chosen by chance. You have been chosen by God. Never forget that. You're alive. God rescued you. Do you realize you did not choose God? God chose you. And that's why you're here. Now, you had to receive him and accept him, but God, the Bible teaches that God calls us. God chooses us. So God chose you first before you chose him. And you were chosen for a purpose and a plan. While he performs his priestly duties, an angel appears to Zechariah and about scares him to death. There was a time when I was in college and I was all super spiritual and I went into this dark prayer room and I was praying to God and I said, God, I just want to see something. I want to see an angel. I want to see a miracle. God, I just want to see something. God, show me something. I've been serving you my whole life. I just want to see something. I'm in this dark prayer room. And all of a sudden, I was like, never mind. I started, I don't want to see anything. Because I don't think I would survive right now if something showed up in this dark prayer room. So some of us, we say, oh, God, we want to see this. Uh, no, you don't. You may not know what's going to happen and what's going to show up. Here's Zechariah just doing the routine thing, and an angel shows up, scares. He's an old man. I could just see him, Fran Sanford. Oh, no, this is the one. This is the one. 
Some of you do not know who Fran Sanford is. You, you're going to have to Google it. What was his wife's name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Well, see, it was inspired by God because we're talking about Elizabeth. And so this angel shows up, and, the, and listen what the angel says. Do not be afraid. Your prayer have been heard. The first thing God speaks to us is do not be afraid. I want to tell you this ministry helps you with fear. Celebrate Recovery helps you if you're battling fear. The Bible says this so many times. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. Because God knew we would struggle with fear, especially as we come into the last days. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord says to you, if you've heard nothing I've said in this message, remember this. God says to you, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's going to happen in the future. You can't control it. Your fear won't help it. It'll make it worse. And so may we make a commitment this Christmas season that we will not be afraid. Jesus came so we would not be afraid. And so we wonder how long Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying. Do you realize that though they were past the childbearing age, they still continue to pray for a child? Do we have that kind of faith? Do we continue to pray when the answer becomes an impossibility? Do we continue to pray when the only hope is a miracle? That's when we should pray the most. When it seems the most hopeless, that's when you got to pray more. And so look at what the angel said in Luke chapter 1, verse 14. Speaking of John, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. How many know he was filled with the Spirit even when, he was preg or when his mom was pregnant? And many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. Oh, I believe that. Let there be a, a return of the prodigals. Let the Lord bring them back. That's what John's ministry was, is to bring back the prodigals. Not only are we to witness those who are unbelievers, we're to bring back the prodigals. May that be our purpose and our, our passion and our prayers. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We see that the Lord wants to turn the hearts of the children back to the parents and the parents back to the children. How many know God's in the ministry of healing marriages, healing families? Even when it seems impossible, keep praying. Don't give up. And the angel says that they will have a son and his name is to be John and he will be a joy and a delight to them. And not only would John be a delight to his parents, but he would be great in the sight of God. And not only would he be great in the eyes of God, he'd, be, he'd bring many people back to God. This should be our pursuit. This is what we should teach our children and our grandchildren right now. It is not, your pursuit of life is not to be great in this world. Your pursuit of life is to be great in the eyes of God. And there's a big difference. You, rarely can you be great in the eyes of this world and great in the eyes of God at the same time. They're usually mutually exclusive. You have to decide what your life plan is going to be. I want you to know that anyone, anyone can be great in the eyes of God if you stay faithful. If you continue to serve the Lord, even when it's impossible. Number four.
The fulfillment of God's promises is always better than what we expect. They didn't just have a baby. They had a baby filled with the Holy Spirit at birth, even in the womb. This is not what, they, they just wanted a child. They didn't even care if it was a boy or a girl. They just wanted a child. And what does God send them? The messenger that comes before Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of God's promises is always better than what we can expect. They just wanted a child, but God gave the world the greatest prophet ever known. And as much as you think you know what you want from God, God's promises are way better than what you want. I love this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Did you hear that? God, what God has for you will blow your mind. It's greater than you could ever think. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. If you love God, he's got things prepared for you that will blow your mind. And here was John's main purpose, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's what his job was, is to make people ready. That's what our job is. That's what my job is as a pastor, is to make you ready to meet the Lord. Maybe not today or this week, but be ready. Because you're going to meet him one way or the other, either here or in the sky. And my job is to make you ready. That's my responsibility. That's the ministry of the church is to make people ready. Are you prepared for the Lord's return? Are you ready for his coming? There is going to be a rapture. And there are going to be millions of people disappear. The Bible says that there are two men working out in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women needing bread. One will be taken and the other left. That's going to happen in the twinkling of the eye, the Bible says. A rapture is coming. I know it's not a popular thought today, but there will be millions of people taken up to heaven before the Lord. It's going to happen. And our job is to be ready. Because I'm here to tell you some will be left behind. The Bible speaks of this. There will be those that will be left behind and they'll have an opportunity to get saved in their, in their uh, tribulation, but you don't want to wait for that opportunity because that's going to be rough. I believe this is the work of the Spirit for God's church today, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Number five, God is still looking to make ready a people prepared for him. I believe we are approaching a season of the fullness of time. Can you, um, doesn't it just blow your mind what's happening in the, in the world today? What's happening in our country? Just unbelievable sin and wickedness and darkness. It's just mind boggling. But we know it because the time is near. There's a fullness of time coming. And Jesus promised he would return. John came to prepare the way for Jesus and John came to get people ready to meet Jesus. And that's what the church is for as well. Luke 12, 35, Jesus said, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants who master, whose master finds them ready. 
even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night? That's the question for all of us. Every believer, are we ready? Are we ready to meet the Lord? That is our challenge and that is the call of God. And I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to some people today very seriously and very urgently to make yourself ready for the Lord. There's a fullness of time coming for you. And so if you're here this morning and you feel that something tugging in your heart, know that is the Lord. It is the Holy Spirit trying to reach you. And he's reaching you today because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Luke chapter 1, verse 18, our story continues. Some people ask, why do you use so much scripture? Because it's the inspired word of God. Everything I have to say is secondary to the word of God. Maybe someday I'll just get up here and just read the whole Bible to you. Because those words are far better than mine. So stay with me. Luke 1, 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? <laughs> All right. Dude, you've been praying your whole life. And then an angel shows up and freaks you out, gives you the greatest promise, and you, and you have to doubt him. It's amazing. I am an old man, and my wife is well and long in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. This is great. I'm an old man. So what? I'm Gabriel. <laughs> Somebody have a baby that I can dedicate named Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. Sometimes we have a silence in our life because we did not believe. The angel or messenger or Holy Spirit spoke to our hearts and told us an incredible promise, and we, our first reaction was to doubt it. This guy had been waiting his whole life. He should have said, this is awesome news. I can't believe it. But instead he goes, how can this be? We're old. <laughs> I want to challenge you today. Don't doubt the word of the Lord over your life. I shared this on Wednesday night. It's okay to ask questions of God, but it's not okay to question God. There's a difference. And sometimes we question God. What are you doing? This can't be. This is impossible. He's God. Doesn't matter who we're, young man or old woman. He is God. And I love this. I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, buddy. So now I'm going to shut you up. And sometimes our testimony is silenced because we did not believe. And if so, we need to just repent before the Lord. I, I wish I had time today to read the story when he finally can open his mouth. And can you imagine? He had been silent for nine months. This guy had something to say. I feel sorry for his family and everybody around him because he hadn't talked for so long. He says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. Look at Luke 1.18. I like how the Message Bible says it. Zechariah said to the angel, do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman. Why would Zechariah question the promise of God when it's staring him right in the face? You've got an angel talking to you, dude. There's an angel and you're saying, well, I don't know about this. I'm having some second thoughts. Now, listen, this is important. Zechariah had kept praying but somewhere along the way, he stopped believing. 
This is important. Because it says, the Lord has heard your prayers. And so, at, at some time, you know, Zechariah stopped believing that his prayers were mattering. Number six, I ask you this question. Is it possible that we are still praying but no longer believing? We're praying for something, for someone, but we stopped thinking it was, that it would ever come to pass. So we're, we're saying the words, but it's not coming from the heart of faith. I believe that if we check our hearts, it could be said of us at times. I've often said that the greatest test of faith is time. Maybe when we were younger, maybe when Zechariah was a young man, he believed, but it had been so long. Maybe he just kept humoring Elizabeth so as not to dash her hopes. Those dreams had long since died. It is possible to pray without believing. Look at James chapter 5, or chapter 1, verse 5. This really spoke to me as I was preparing this message. I mean, I, have, I know James, five through, James 1, 5 through 8. I know the book of James is my favorite book in the Bible. I have no idea why. But I know this story. I've read it, I don't know how many times. I've read through the Bible multiple times. And what amazes me about God's word is even if I've read these words 10 times, it can be fresh and anew and alive in my spirit right then and right there. So keep reading. Don't give up reading the word of God. It should be your daily bread. Read and keep believing because the time will come when God will answer. But if we keep praying without believing, there, there's a hindrance. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea. Did you hear that? He must believe and when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. When he prays, and so the Lord is telling us through the apostle James that it's possible to pray without believing. We can pray and, and still have doubt in our hearts. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Wow. He is a double-minded man and stable in all he does. And that word double-minded means two souls. A man with two souls. I mean, you know, we're only supposed to have one soul. But that's what happens. We become divided internally. And the what Satan tries to do is to put doubt in your mind, seeds of doubt in your mind. And so we need to just continue to pray without doubt. If we're going to pray, then we must believe. I love it again. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. That is a powerful statement. And it's not prudent to question one who stands in the presence of God. And then notice what the angel says at the very end. And now you'll be silent. Until the day happens, which will come at their proper time. Again, God is talking about timing. When that baby's born, then you'll know. Luke chapter 1, verse 21. Our story continues, coming to a conclusion. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wonder why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time for service was completed, he returned home. And after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, he had a little faith at least. For five months remained in seclusion. 
I love this, verse 25. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. See, the people believed if you couldn't get pregnant, then there's something wrong with you. Something wrong with your relationship with God, and it brought shame. It brought disgrace. This is the story behind the story. Number seven, Jesus came to take away our shame. One of the greatest things about accepting Jesus Christ is all your sins are forgiven. And God removes our shame and removes our disgrace. Elizabeth felt the disgrace day after day after day. People probably mocked her. She's still praying. She's still going to the temple. She's still trying to believe she's going to have a baby someday. And though she had done nothing wrong, she felt that shame. Sometimes we bear the shame of our own sin, but other times we bear the shame of the sins of others. But either way, our shame can be forgiven. Isaiah 61.7, make this a promise for you. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in the land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. If you've been through shame and disgrace, I'm here to tell you God's going to take that away and give you a double portion, just like he did Job. Job lost everything, and God doubled it when he returned it. And so I want you to believe not just for a portion, but for a double portion of God's grace and power in your life. Know that he will take away your shame. He will take away that disgrace. He will take away our fear and give us a double portion, and we will rejoice. May we believe him for that. And everlasting joy will be ours. Jesus came to take away these things. And that is the story behind the story of Christmas. I'd like you to bow your heads at this time. This is the fullness of time for people here today. You're not here by accident. You're here because God brought you here. I want to give you a chance to accept Jesus as your Savior. He'll take away your sin. He'll take away your disgrace. He'll take away your fear. So if you're here today and you've, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're ready to today, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place you want to say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And now I'd like to offer this prayer. If you had served the Lord at one time, but you fell away from the Lord and you're not where you belong, and you want to come back home to the Lord, would you just slip up your hand? Yes. Anyone else? Yes, yes. You ready to come home? Because he's coming. You can put your hands down. Church, would you say this prayer with me? And if you raised your hand for salvation or raised your hand to come back to the Lord, please repeat these words after me. It's a simple prayer. It's not complex. And church, would you join with them so they're not saying this alone? Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive you into my heart and life. I repent of my sins and receive your forgiveness and eternal life. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And the Bible says that there's a party going on in heaven. The angels are rejoicing when one person comes home. So if you prayed that prayer, I'd invite you just to take the card in front of you, fill out your information just to let us know so we can follow up with you. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.